run. Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's What You Could Have Run. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about Shires and Spires, which is a 35 mile ultra around Northampton. It's actually a race that I was due to be running this month, but like everything else, it's been cancelled. Speaking of cancellations, just seen today that the Dublin Marathon has been the latest event to be cancelled with coronavirus. That's quite a big event and it was due to take place in October. So it's uh, probably not a good sign for events like London that the big city events are already starting to fall. So I wouldn't be surprised to see London Marathon, Great North Runs and events like that being announced quite shortly as cancelled or postponed again until next year. Unclear with that whether they roll our places forward or how it's going to be dealt with. Uh, today I'm talking to Katie who is a local coach in Milton Keynes. She's done the Shires and Spires as her first ultra. She's also currently my coach as well and has been coaching me since January with a view to smashing the London Marathon in April. And obviously that went a little bit by the by. So without further ado, here's Katie. Right, with me now is Katie, who's here to talk about the Shires and Spires Ultra. Katie is a local personal trainer. Uh, thanks for joining us, Katie. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's exciting, isn't it? I was on your podcast and now you return the favour. Yes, I know. I've like recorded all my podcast episodes, but never actually really been invited on as a guest. So this there feels quite different in the hot seat. <laughs> I can ask you the awkward questions now. Yeah. Cool. So for anyone who doesn't know, you just tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do and how you ended up falling into running? Yes. So, um, gosh, where do we start? So I started, we'll start with running. So I started back in 2012. Um, for anyone that knows me at university, I played netball. So I think all of my netball like running friend, like netball friends would be like, she's into running now, like because I was I played goal shooter, and so I literally received the ball, chucked it in the net, and that was it. I didn't have to run very far, so I was always the worst at the speed sessions. But once I moved back from uni, I didn't really want to play netball. The leagues were like the games sometimes were like nine o'clock at night, and oh, you know I'd rather yeah exactly. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I won't I won't carry on my netball, but I need to find something else and. I was the job that I was at at the time. The guy suggested, the, one of the like my colleagues suggested cycling, and then because he was doing, I think something where cycling to Paris, like one of the big big rides as a group. And then when I started looking at the cost of a bike and all the bits, I was like, oh, well, no, I just want something where I can get fit and enjoy it. So then I thought, why not? Um, I'll try running. You just need a pair of trainers for that. Um, and I don't know how, but I signed up for a half marathon as my first race. <laughs> <laughs> in the deep end, well done. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd done a few Race for Lives before, um, raising like with my friends. My friends from school, we did that quite a few years in a row for cancer research. My mum passed away when I was 11. So um, that was always something that we did as a group together and the Shenley girls and we raised money. But So I'd had, I'd had done a bit of running. But yeah, just I, I did a bit of research, found uh, Run to the Beat in 2012 and this must have been the summer and that would have been october and there my running journey began and yeah half marathon was my first sort of real big event <laughs> so um, since then how many sort of marathons and stuff have you done um so i've done five marathons one ultra i've done i'd say seven eighths of a marathon we we <laughs> We went to Kenya to do a marathon over there. Um, oh, yeah. And that was the one it got like, uh, it got called off because basically in a tea plantation in Kenya, they had a massive hailstorm, <laughs> which is like completely rare. So I didn't get to finish that. I think I got up to about 23 miles. Oh, um, so yeah, five marathons, four at London, one at New York and an ultra. Excellent. And you're not just a runner as well. You change career midway through that. Yes, so I'm now a personal trainer and running coach. Um, so I've always been sort of in events management and project man management. And I switched roles and I was in a job that I didn't really enjoy. And it was the, f and I always was one of those people that I always think if you're driving to work on a Monday morning and you're dreading going into work, then you need to change it. Mm. 
Um, and at this time, I can't remember what year this was, but this is when the fitness industry really started booming and it, there was a lot of stuff online. And I kind of was looking at other people doing things and I was like, well, if they can do it, then surely I can do it too. <laughs> Um, at the time I'd sort of started a blog and I was sort of document, documenting my journey. Um, so when I first started running the first few years, I got injured quite a lot and coming back out of injury all the time. So this was at a time I was like, right, no, this is going to be a big comeback. Started a blog. And then I thought, well, why don't I sign up for a PT course and see where it goes? So I did the PT course alongside working full time. I then got a freelance job, which allowed me the opportunity to build my business and, also um build a business and obviously have an income because it's hard when you're first first setting up and then it just went from there i think the biggest thing for me is that i had a presence locally in milton Keynes anyway um so i started off like obviously one-to-one pt in and then it was just finding out what the running community really wanted um and the lack of one thing that there wasn't around was a core class. There's always, there's a hip class and there's a strength class and legs, bums and tums, but there wasn't an offering for runners. So that's where the core classes came about. And then as my experience grew, I started working with people on training plans, sort of doing stuff for free at first, learning along the way. And then, um, and then, yeah, it's now sort of what I do full time. So I absolutely love it. I get to coach people, one-to-one group sessions online coaching training plans do it all and yeah just absolutely love it because the biggest thing for me is running was such a huge part of my journey that i just have got so much from running it's so nice to be able to give that back to to other people too excellent no it must be nice to kind of make that leap and actually have it work rather than yeah wonder if it ever could happen and spend the rest of your life doing a job and think maybe you should have taken the opportunity when you had it yeah well my dad I think my mum and dad have actually told me um now that I I don't think my dad really saw it being like when I first had the idea yeah he didn't really he didn't really see see me actually doing it lovely hobby (laughs) yeah nice little hobby and the same with my grandparents I don't think they really understand it like every time they don't understand the online world mm. and every time I call them and they ask like oh how's your business doing doing okay how's your classes and they're like oh fantastic but I don't think they quite get it that I can you know that you can communicate and I can train someone I've got clients in Scotland at the moment and you know they don't get that I can be able to give someone a plan and provide a service for them and get over the language barrier as well <laughs> yeah, I just find it really weird. They, you know, there's a lot of people. I've even had some of some clients in the past ask me, like, "So, is this your? Is this a proper job? Like, this is this your real <laughs> job?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is a, this is a, like, this is what I do. This is my passion. So, I don't have to be in an office nine to five to, to, to make a career. Or, um, and that's I think the biggest thing with the job is that you have to enjoy it. And mm. this is what I love. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like work sometimes. That's ideal. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> cool. So as you said, you've done a lot of, uh, we've done a few marathons and stuff. And then why suddenly jump up to an ultra? Because it puts a lot of people off. It's scary. Kind of what makes you think, let's run a bit further. Well, a lot of my clients were wanting to do ultras. And I felt like I couldn't train them <laughs> if I hadn't done one myself. Because it's so pretended. Thought, yeah, that's the thing. Like when people are like, right, I'm going to, like with all my clients, I catch up with them monthly, but then ask them to send through like a list of races. And then we discuss how that's going to look throughout the year and what their training cycles will look like. But then they were like, oh yeah, I'm just going to throw this ultra in in the summer. Can you help me out? <laughs> and I felt like a bit of a fraud because my speciality is really sort of half and full marathon, like, yeah, the half and full mm. marathon distance. So to be able to then be like, oh yeah, sure. I know what I'm talking about with the ultra. I just felt like I had to I had to do it so that was one of the main reasons why I kind of thought I need to I need to do one excellent and why are the shires and spires in particular um so just spoke to a few people um and what I liked about it was that it was local um it was a smaller event um the company is called go beyond and they do they organize the Northampton half marathon which I've done in the past and I kind of was put off by the big big companies doing it 
Yes, yeah, there's a, the uh, like racist stones and stuff. I know a lot of people are quite kind of negative about them kind of taking over the ultra world with overpriced events and stuff. Yeah, so I've 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 seen a lot. I've act like a few clients have done some of the threshold series and really loved them. But and as well, like you say, the price can put you off a little bit. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my first one, I don't want to be spending a couple of hundred quid and staying overnight somewhere. And the Shires and Spires was it. And as well, it fitted in well. So it was about six weeks after the London Marathon. It just seemed to click. So after doing research, uh, one of my clients, Sadie, had done it in the past before and said that she enjoyed it. The scenery was meant to be really nice. And yeah, staying in my own bed the night before really appealed to me. Yeah, obviously I was looking to run it this year after London and that all went to part. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of just did a little research and you know sometimes when something's like, oh, that will just fit in nicely there into the into the race calendar. So I think that that will be the one. Cool. So did, how do you train then if you're going from Maris and Gail to suddenly ramping up? Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. Um, I thought that I could just train for my marathon and then have a bit of recovery and then just train for a couple of weeks and then I'd be able to do the ultra just wing it yeah <laughs> kind of kind of yeah so I just thought I'll do my marathon training and all the long distance stuff will translate for the ultra and there we are jobs are good and fine <laughs> so did you have a target time was it just to kind of get around and get an ultra um, well, I had spoken to a few people about the course and what sort of time people had done it in. So I did, obviously with an ultra, you just want to finish and with it being, mm. with it being a first one, but I kind of had around six -ish hours in my head. I was slower than that. Um, but well, 35 there, I, miles, isn't it? So that's, yeah. Yeah. But I kind of like, you try and think about like what your marathon time is. And then obviously it was just hard to then translate that into how much I'm going to be running and how much I'm going to be walking. But for me, it was just, okay, well, let's just go and enjoy the experience. And just it like, it is, it is tough though, as mm. to go from running a marathon where you're constantly looking at your pace to get you X time to then go and do an ultra and think I've got a completely, my watch is now saying 17 minute mile pace for this lap yeah <laughs> you just got to completely wipe that out your mind um but yeah i finished in seven hours 40 but there's a i think there's a lot of factors that um that was why that but it was the hottest day of the year it yeah was i guess it, that sort of time of year it can catch some real hot days can't it it was the first of june and it was just it was scorching absolutely like the amount of water i drank I didn't go to the toilet once. Like, that just goes to show how dehydrated I was. No. I just couldn't take on enough fluid at all to even need to use the tissue that I had stored in my vest. <laughs> the input essentials that you have to carry with you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did have... A, the target was to finish, but time was kind of irrelevant, really. And what's the course like? Is it pretty undulating? Are there any big hills? For anyone that's not run it like me, who may never get to run it at this rate, if races oh. don't ever come back again. I'm sure you will, but it just seemed like it was very undulating. Um, it was, it felt like every, before every checkpoint, there was like a huge hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, look, you'll have to, you'll have to get up this hill and then you'll get to the next checkpoint. It's You've like got a to the checkpoint, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was absolutely stunning. Like, especially in the last part of the race, I was walking a fair bit, but I just, every time that I sort of was struggling and I just, try to look look around me and and just look at how nice it was and obviously when the, the weather's better it does make everything look prettier so oh, yeah. yeah okay it was hotter but it just it was stunning like the pictures that i got um yeah i would recommend it to to people that want to do an ultra but Excellent. you just can't prepare yourself until you actually go and do it your first one i think so in terms of obviously ramping up to ultra you run a marathon with a couple of gels in your pocket and grab bottles of water and stuff. So what gear did you get for an ultra? Um, so I bought a um, Salomon like vest. Um, I've oh, always expensive. been... Really... <laughs> no, it wasn't too bad, actually. I think they're a lot for what basically an ugly waistcoat with pockets. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can kind of describe it as that. Um I don't know. I bought it from the ultra marathon store and I've been chatting with the, um, the owner for a little bit before. I don't think it was that bad 
in price. Okay. I think some but, of them I've seen a well over like a hundred quid in it. Oh yeah. gosh, no, no, I didn't spend that much. Fine, you got more sensible price, run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I just I'm really put off by do you know um when you have the water in the in the back. In the bladder, yeah. And the bladder and then you have like the hose pipe that comes up. Yeah. <laughs> and then like if you're running behind someone, say like on a club run and you're behind someone and they're like whoosh, 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 and you just hear the water i know there's a trick to sort of getting the air out yeah you mean to turn upside down aren't you first and suck the air out before you put it back in yeah but i just didn't want any of that and um they were faff to fill as well mid-race i find the blood is a sort of yeah easier. so that's the thing i liked the vest i had mo- many pockets i love a pocket so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of flexible from core class you can reach them yeah, I find exactly. the most of mine. I know I've got stuff yeah. on me, but I can't actually get to. The... <laughs> luckily, I didn't have. Luckily, I didn't have to take too much. Like I know that you've talked about like overnight ultras where you have to take like different clothing and things like that. Like yeah. I didn't have anything like that, so it was just. Is literally... there much mandatory kit or anything, or is it just? No, no, there was no, oh. there was no kit check. You, you could just... literally just turn up in shorts and t-shirt if you wanted. If you wanted to, yeah. You might so just there regret was... it. <laughs> yeah, probably um so i just had the two 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 bottles at the front and it was good because i could just literally sometimes didn't even have to take the bottle out you could like put your head down and sort of try and although some people said that does look a bit funny look like you're trying to suck out of something (laughs) so i I tried not to do that often in public (laughs) no i I find that good because it kind of reminds you to drink doesn't it if you've got the bottles right in front of you you kind of they're there. They're a constant reminder to keep drinking, especially in the hot weather. Whereas a bladder, I kind of almost forget it's behind me until you dehydrate and pass out. <laughs> or yeah, that's uh, you don't want to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I was trying to think. I can't remember what snacks I took with me. I just really can't remember what I, I did. I did take a couple of gels, and I took some hydration tablets. But because it was so warm, I was. I was finding all the sweet stuff was quite sickly. Mm. Um, but I remember um, I had, so I, uh, I took a couple of um, saurines, like malt loaves. So I had some like friends along the way, but um, Sue Boothby kept popping up at every checkpoint. And I swear she gave me a saurine like oh, nice. every time. Yeah. And that's, I just, oh, it just, some other stuff just didn't feel like it was giving me any energy, but that, that I loved, and I remember on the last station there was pretzels. Oh, Which I, 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 I the salt as well. Yeah, yeah. I had to force myself away from that last checkpoint because <laughs> I just stood there eating the pretzels. I was like, "Oh, I better get going. <laughs> I better get to the finish." <laughs> so that's probably why I spent I spent so long. So I just spent so long at the checkpoint. Right, well. The food was pretty good then on route, was it? Yes. Yeah. the The stations were were great. Um, the marshals were just so friendly you know i i guess obviously they want to be there to support anyway but that's one thing that i just remember is that every every um station you went to they had big buckets of or they had the big buckets of water where they like push i don't know what they're called the big dispenser the big thing, yeah, you yeah. It, yeah so and they were filling up your water for you they were like trying to help you out which was really nice because you know when you're a bit tired mm. They've got that. They had a lot of, I remember a lot of sweet stuff. They had a lot of cake, I think, as well. But, you know, I kind of was just grabbing stuff that I wanted. And I remember you saying that um, after when we had a chat about ultras and you were like, just uh, on an ultra, you just have kind have to listen to what your body wants and just take whatever it wants. You can't predict. And that was one thing. I think I had quite a few bits in my um, vest by the time that I finished because I just didn't fancy it. Yeah, it just took me along for the journey. <laughs> yeah yeah so they got a nice ride around i think i might have even chucked some stuff away when i got to the checkpoints in the bin thinking oh, i don't want this and on during the ultra did you have the kind of ultra strop as it's called when your mind just goes and you turn into a angry little runner because i think most of us have suffered from that a couple of times um oh i wouldn't say i had a strop but i was i did str- i did struggle a few times um I did a YouTube video on it, so I filmed myself around the course and <laughs> I cried when I got to the half marathon <laughs> distance. And still to this day, I can't remember why I cried. I don't know whether it was because one, I was going past what I'd always always done and into the unknown. 
whether the combination of tired and being fatigued and hot, whether that got to me, I can't tell, but no, I wouldn't say I had a strop. Like, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've done speed sessions and I've I've been like, Oh, I'm just going to give up here. But I knew at every checkpoint, I was like, this is not going to defeat me. I will, I will complete this. However long this takes me. I don't know why I just had like a really good mindset that day and i was like i will finish this even if i have to walk the last 10 miles (laughs) i'm going to finish this i just i think i had that in my mindset i think sometimes you can turn up to a race and if you're not in the right headspace for it that's when it can go wrong and um it was it was really really tough at times but i just always knew that it was just like keep moving forward keep moving forward keep shuffling shuffling along so yeah, I can't remember what you asked me now, but I've just waffled. I've had ultra strop. No, I was just I was thinking of oh, you, with, speaking about food. I did one of the ultras and I did a really nice cake at every aid station. And the last one they didn't have any was run out. And I had a little tan- temper tantrum with the uh, guy. Oh. Like, what do you mean you've run out? <laughs> I had to kind of have a word no. with myself. I'm like, sorry. No, <laughs> well, I guess fortunately, out. all of the, the front runners, like, they must have. See, it's, it's, it's the opposite way around. Like, all the front runners don't really stop. Mm. They just carry on. So the people at the back, like me this time round, there was stuff left. But no, I don't think I went far enough to have a, have a strop. I think if you would have asked me to go further, I would have had a strop. Right again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the cut off for that is nine yeah. mi- <laughs> and nine hours even. So you've got, yeah. A fair whack of time out there if you're towards the back you could be out there a long time in the sun yeah it, there was a few people that was still towards the back that day just because of the heat so people mm. that even a few people that we knew were expecting to come in a bit sooner but because of just the heat it just really got to them that day i think even there was a few people that were kind of going to be past the cutoff but the organizers were good and kind of were just encouraging them to keep going they kind yeah. of warned them but just to say come on you know you're doing great we will kind of let you finish so i think there was a few people past that and i thought it's one big loop isn't it so i suppose to some extent you've got to finish to get back to your car yeah there there's no shortcuts <laughs> <laughs> right anything uh on the route and is it pretty well marked have you got a map to follow or how do you get around because obviously london you just follow the, everyone else running around a marathon what's it like running ultra this is the thing if you know me my geography skills are appalling um even out on a yeah james is like a tom tom or like a sat nav um he can literally we can start at home and say right we'll do an hour's run today and he'll take a new route and somehow we'll manage to bring us back in 59 59 like (laughs) he can just navigate himself around so well me on the other hand the four mile loop that I do every week, I could probably still get myself lost on. <laughs> so then when I found, I didn't find out until after I'd signed up that it was um, like self-navigation. Yeah. I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> at the time, at the time I only had a watch as well. I had a Garmin 4 and a 235. So I had no, no like watch features to help me. You couldn't put the GPX file in it then just for that. No. Um, oh, actually you just reminded me. I did actually download the file and put it onto an app, like a biking uh, app or something. So yeah, because I was wondering how I managed to get around without getting lost. <laughs> so yeah, that was it now. That's what I did is, I can't remember the app, but I, I, put, I often just saw the bloke in front. That is often a foolproof way of getting around as well. Yes, that was kind of how I did. <laughs> I did also, because there was some, there was there were certain times where you got to a certain point and people were like, oh, do you reckon it's this way or that way? And there was quite a few people that would then all look at the maps and work out where to go they did give us a booklet like a proper old school booklet so that was only i think that was the only one piece of race kit you needed was the booklet yeah um but then in the heat and then sweat and then if it was like next to you and if it went next to a bladder you know you could have had problems where it comes out of paper mache at the end of it yeah 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 so it kind of had like step-by-step directions on where to go but somehow i made it round um, I, d- I still probably don't know how I managed that so well, but it probably was just following people because there was yeah. a lot of people around. Um, so maybe a non-self-navigation ultra. Um, just have a look at that before you sign up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And also you said you weren't sort of sticking to your minute mile splits like you would on a marathon. So any advice for people trying to pace their first ultra? Um, like everyone says, um, walk the hills, run the flats. But if that doesn't happen, even if you're on a flat and you want to walk, just walk because um, I think that's one thing that I didn't probably practice enough was the run walking mm. uh, scenario because I just was not, my body's not used to that. I feel no, every time if I'm in a, like a, if I'm in a fast race, if I start to walk, that's kind of it game over. Um, I just find it hard to get started again. And even on the first, the first, the first checkpoint is 10 kilometers. And because everyone starts as a mass start you know there was a good couple of hundred runners even quite early on there was a few we went through i think it started in naseby we must have been going through naseby and even in the village there was a few inclines but because everyone was in a pack no one wanted to be the first person to walk <laughs> um but i do remember like once it all kind of all spread out we we're a few miles in people were starting to walk so yeah we just walked walked the inclines run the flats and then obviously towards the back end of the race where it was an unknown territory I did have to walk a lot more but I didn't worry too much I just I just went along with it and just but yeah I just had to kind of like throw that out the window in terms of time because I think I went through the half marathon in four and a half hours and I'd never been on my feet for that long like even my first marathon was 354 so then it was really Your personal worth for the marathon. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, maybe that was why I cried. <laughs> um, oh dear. So yeah, you just kind of have to leave your ego, ego at the door and just know that it's about distance rather than pace with the ultras. Yeah. So when you did finally finish it, then how did you feel? Did it feel better than finishing a marathon? Worse? Different? It's different. Um, Good uh, <laughs> I don't know just different really um you can kind of again they did the finish line really well despite there not being like the thousands of people there are at a marathon finish line um I probably felt better than what I did in a different way than what when you when you finish a marathon you're just kind of trying to zone out the yeah. crowd sometimes because you're just in that final you're in that pain cave and you just you know especially if you're on for a really good time you're just trying to push it to see how good a time you can get. But with the ultra, you come, especially Shires and Spires, you're coming down this long road and they, you know, some of your friends are there or there's other people there cheering you in and there's the race organizers and they've got an arch and you can hear it from a distance, you know, a few, a few um, cheers and they've got, they had a megaphone. And so, yeah, it was just a different kind of, I was like, well, I've got to run the last bit, haven't I? <laughs> You've got to run it in, even if uh, I've been walking for the last mile and a half. Um, so, yeah, it was just a real sense of achievement when I finished. Like, yes, I've done it. My first ultra. Um, I wasn't like, woo, I can't wait to do that again. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was definitely a proud moment. So it ticked the box in terms of getting an ultra done. You enjoyed it overall then? Yeah, yeah, especially with it being such a small race, but I definitely, I would say I enjoyed it. It was hard, but I did enjoy it. And the race experience I got was kind of what I wanted from it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, but a, a good, a good fond memory of it. Excellent. And no, no any plans to do any more ultras or was that <laughs> put you off for life? I wouldn't say it's put me off, but it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Itch, then. It's not put me off, but i it's not something that really excites me in terms of like races so i'm not going to see cows and stuff and sheep and you know yeah but i can do that running like <laughs> an hour around here where i live um, but yeah my friends kept uh joking with me that for my 30th they were going to buy me a race place because like some of my friends that like, love the threshold series so a couple yeah. of them did like the race the, the tower and the king oh, they and they you all three couldn't they yeah well yeah and then there was meant to be race the castle the newest newest ones the edition as well so they kept joking that for my birthday they were like but what if we bought you a place that would be really rude if you didn't do it wouldn't it 
and I was half expecting it to get when my 30th came around I was half expecting to 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 get that but but I didn't I got a bottle of gin and some flowers so I appreciated like that, that a bit yeah. more <laughs> yeah. oh, like, they know me well <laughs> so of the um although female participation in marathon and stuff is quite high it's a lot lower in ultras you got any thoughts on why that might be an advice for people who perhaps are put off if you're a woman and you think ultras are for big hairy men that's a good question actually and when i looked at this i thought oh i'm not really sure what what how to answer this if i'm mm. being honest um for me there just hasn't been the desire to do ultras um you know for females is that what they want to do is really sort of just I think running generally is a so bit far. of a weird hobby at times, isn't it? It's just yeah, but people, once you start running, you realise what all those lunatics out there are doing and how much True. how much fun it is. Like especially now in recent times, I've been getting so many notifications for friends that I wouldn't expect to run joining Strava, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I kind of see what this bug's about. I kind of oh, see true. why why you get it. Once you get past a few runs where you feel like your lungs are gonna." come out of your chest and you feel like you're a tomato face you kind of once you get over that you think oh actually i can see the benefits from this oh, you so. meant to get over that are you no one told me <laughs> i look forward to that <laughs> um but no it's those, it's those first few runs where you go you go out at 100 miles an hour and not realizing that there's different paces and you mm. can slow down to to get further um so yeah i don't know that it's just you know do women have the desire to run that far um a time thing trying to fit things in women are quite practical yeah. they're like have i got the time to fit in all that training at the weekend when i could be doing other stuff which is Fun more stuff like, instead, yeah. <laughs> yeah and um I, you know there's always these stats about women participation being down but sometimes i don't always see that because my i feel like a lot of my running community and the people that I follow on Instagram and social media are all quite female, hev heavily influenced. Mm. So I don't actually, I don't actually notice that until, you know, a race organizer produces their stats and says, Oh, only 30% of the uh, participants were women. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what, what the answer is to that, that question. Um, I guess it's just. So you don't think it's so much barriers. It's perhaps they're just, got better things to spend their Saturdays doing rather than <laughs> running 50 miles to the leg to fall off and they have to do something in the bush. Yeah, I've never been put off by, by signing up to, to, to a running event because I'm female. Okay. I think, well, yeah, it, there's, yeah. Um, you know, when you look at certain sports, you're like, oh, that's very male-influenced, you know, mm. like rugby. That's uh, quite a, like, I don't want to be sexist here or anything, but that's quite a male dominant sport most women would not want to charge themselves around and like throw themselves at people True. in that way so yeah we're running it's a bit of a i don't i don't see it as a gender a gender specific sport but yeah you're right they're always in the stats there are more men taking yeah, part so they say like half marathons women tend to outnumber don't they and it sort of tails off as you go further yeah we just Never don't sure want to run that far more sensible then <laughs> yeah maybe excellent so um assuming we ever have races again what is your next running challenge oh gosh um uh, do you know what this year i didn't actually have much stuff booked in or, and it kind of is now it must yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i started coronavirus yeah. gosh start rumors um no i just had quite a big year last year of like racing and i'd got to the point where i didn't want to do a marathon again i just had done new i'd done london i'd done new york and i just thought oh i'll just stick to some shorter stuff because i haven't really done that i've always focused on the marathon distance and within that my i've always then dropped into other races and because of my marathon training it's then always been able to translate to the shorter distances um but what did I have booked? I did have a, like a few 10Ks, but I was meant to do it at the start of the year, which didn't happen. Um, and then, yeah, I was just going to do the Rocket 5K in Milton Keynes and 
the Vitality 10K because that was where my PB was last year. So I was just going to try and focus on the short stuff. Um, unfortunately, I got injured at the start of the year as well doing cross country. <laughs> That's right. People shouldn't encourage um, cross country, should they? <laughs> <laughs> well, you love to do long runs and then doing cross country in the afternoon. So yeah, you're a kettle of fish. A long day. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it was just unfortunate. I just, um, like some injuries happen where you've neglected strength work or you've overtrained, but this mm. one I must have just, and I didn't really feel it until the next day. I must have just placed my foot slightly weird and jarred my back and then, yeah, just knocked my, well, inflamed my SI joint. So yeah, this, this last few months, I've just kind of been trying to get back to, to fitness. Um, and I guess, I don't know what other races there are in the autumn. Um, I'm due yes, to be doing the ultra 5k. So that's oh, yeah. another, that's the ult, another ultra I've done. It's not really an ultra at all. Um, it's just five, five kilometers on the hour, every hour for f- five, five laps. And I think I've, I think there's been three events now and I've been, I don't know how, but I've won the female title oh, every year. So on, they, yeah. they now always invite me back. Um, so yeah, first year was just like, Oh, you know, I didn't realize it was the first event and somehow like after the third lap, it was it actually, it was quite competitive that time around. There's two other ladies and there's like, James was texting me tactics and how to play it. <laughs> so I think like the first one, it was like, Oh, just finding your feet. And then the second one, pushing the like, <laughs> no. Wow. And then like, I think the fourth one, the third or fourth one it was like just go like just stay take it steady at the start and then push on and then one of the laps was like just scare them and just go really fast and just <laughs> and then the last one it was just like okay well if you've done enough then you can just kind of get round. um and then i think the last two years there wasn't i kind of i've again got nervous I was expecting people to then it kind of be the same atmosphere but i think last year i was quite comfortable in because they take it on the overall time. Okay. Um, and despite not being as fit, I think last year or the year before, I still had enough buffer. And I think I kind of was like, right, okay, I'll relax a little bit more in the last couple of laps. Oh, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was just kind of like, oh, you're still going at a good pace, but I didn't have to completely hammer it down to, to make sure that I took the title. But there will be a year that someone comes along and will completely thrash me. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I won that uh, MK24 last year. I'm quite happy it's not on this year because it's another year that I'm undefeated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Take your title. So that exactly. event was due to be in July and I kind of forgot about it. And then the race organiser messaged me about a week and a half, maybe about a week ago and said, oh, just to let you know, we're moving it to August. That was the only date they could get. That's not and a lot later, is it? With so. End. No, so that potentially could be my first event if that goes ahead um it is it is a smaller event so um you know they can try and put means in of social distancing but we just don't know at the moment um so that's one and then if it goes ahead i've got the rocket booked in september at the milton Keynes marathon so you know at the moment just to get a race in would be nice (laughs) Mm, yeah i miss racing i have to say at the minute yeah and I just have really realized how social running is at the moment, uh, how like when you're on your own, you, you know, you think about your heart rate and your breathing and, oh, that I can feel that part of my body and, oh, is this over yet? And then when you run, run with a friend, you just don't think about that and you're just chatting away and you're like, oh, what have you yeah. been up to this week? So I have been out on a couple of socially distanced runs with friends over the weekend. Um, and it was amazing the time just flew yeah no i've done two since then it's good anything i found if you're used to podcasts you can just skip if the conversation's boring but if it's a friend it's a bit rude to try and like, <laughs> <laughs> swipe I think left. You reassess who your friends are then. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have yeah. that problem <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> cool so on the coaching side then Mm-hmm. anyone advice for anyone looking to get a coach i mean what other qualifications we should look for is there a mm-hmm. national database somewhere to ensure you've not just got some bloke in his mum's basement downloading plans out of the back of runner's world or <laughs> wow yeah that's the thing nowadays there's a lot of coaches out there um i think you just need to the biggest thing for me is like the coach athlete relationship 
-hmm. I think you have to get along with the person that's coaching you because there are coaches out there that, you know, may have run really quick times in the past, but if you don't uh, get on with their coaching style, then it's not going to work for you. So that's the biggest thing really is that you have to kind of look at the, the people that they coach and the stuff like obviously a lot of people will follow me first on say Facebook or Instagram, look at the stuff that I post about clients and my training. And after a while they'll be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I like how she, how she trains and mm. I can see the results she's getting with her clients. I'll, I'll inquire. Um, there's, there's, it's, there's not really many people that would be like, Oh, let's go into Google and search running coach. It just, it, that's not really sort of the way that you find a coach nowadays. I think it's more sort of recommendations. So, you know, I don't want to talk bad about people, but you know, <laughs> you can, there, there is a lot of people out there now doing online coaching for training plans. And sometimes it can wind me up if there's someone out there that has not maybe got the right qualifications. Um, but you know, for me, I know that I have a sports science degree I've got PT qualification. I've done the like uh, England athletics coaching course. And the biggest thing is just have an experience mm. because you can do, you can do all these courses, but without the practical side of it and actually working with athletes, it's pretty, it's it, you just, yeah, it's quite basic. So you need to be out there working with clients, co like coaching and really just building that rapport and the people that I see that do the best with me are people that work with me okay. if you feedback to me tell me how you're feeling create that relationship between us then I can understand how your training's going um it you know I can't just go on by someone just saying yeah I did the run today <laughs> because <laughs> you're not telling me like you know how did yeah, you I got feel told did you enjoy not it giving enough feedback, didn't I? yeah and that's the thing it's just because what what people post on strava is very different to how the run actually feels um and i need to know that because you know if you just say i did it i'm like okay then well was it comfortable did you enjoy it mm. how did you have any niggles um especially if it's like an interval session and someone says, oh, I loved that. Well, I know that. Oh, okay. Maybe they love the short <laughs> stuff. I'll put stuff in there because you've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy your training. That's because otherwise there's just no point. Obviously you want to progress and get better, but if you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to get out there every day and try and better yourself. It's so really the hobby after all, I guess, isn't it? So you've got to enjoy it. Yeah. So I think the main things is with a coach is sort of look at, look at what they offer. Um, and do you think you'll be able to build that relationship with them? Um, and don't be afraid to ask about qualifications because a lot of people really don't know that I have got a sports science degree as well. Um, and you just assume that when someone's put that they're an online running coach, that they've got those qualifications, but you just don't know. They well, might I not have. Think, yeah, you kind of, if you're getting your gas fitter, you, you check them on a database to make sure they're qualified to fit your boiler, wouldn't you? But yeah, not sure a lot of people know what a personal trainer running coach would even have so it's probably a bit of a minefield if you're relatively new but yeah just recommendations like a few people have said to me that they've actually asked previous clients of mine yeah. how they found working with me <laughs> <laughs> and they've then admitted afterwards so and the thing is um you know you have to just find the right coach because sometimes not every coach like just I try not to take it personally because I've had people that I've coached for a, a training cycle or two and then they've just gone and done it alone because you know my style of training might not work for them obviously the um the best thing about a coach is that you can have the flexibility to try and get the right structure but my style of coaching might not be for everyone and I have to appreciate that at first when I'd see if people would be like oh I'm sorry but I, I can't continue coaching with you I would be like, Oh no, why, what have I done wrong? But sometimes it's not, it's not about that. Um, and just, you know, they don't enjoy intervals and they would rather just go and run socially and just enjoy it. So, okay. so, um, 
do you feel then being a coach do you feel a bit under pressure when you're out running that you have to kind of not exactly be good per se but you know if they see you slumped over with bad running form etc they're going to go well she's not very good at core classes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i had this real thing last year so i think after 2017 to 2019 i had a real like well yeah 2017 or 2018 i had a massive like progression in terms of like my times were coming down a lot like was pb in at races all the time and you know i could just see the progress and then last year i did hit a bit of a plateau um and going into the new york training block um yeah i was really struggling with that because i felt like as a coach i need to be doing lots of fast times because at first you know I was having a lot of my clients coming to me that wanted to get better. And then last year it's got to a point where I'd like to say that I'm a good coach that I've now got clients that are faster than me and I've trained them so that they are faster than me. And I then feel bad if I'm not fast. And I feel like I have to be fast Mm. for people to want to sign up to me. But I've now realized that being a coach is not about that. It's not being about fast yourself. It's having the ability to be able to coach people and make your clients better and faster and stronger because it doesn't matter if i'm fast or not as long as i can coach my clients and help them in the right direction um you know i just need to be a positive person and that's the one thing that i learned with the new york training block is that my my race performance does not define my myself as a coach that's so profound um and actually you know, it was quite a good piece where I was showing my clients that I was just going into the New York marathon. I had a different style of training block. It didn't pan out how I kind of wanted to, to at the start, but I just went in there and thought I've qualified for the New York marathon with a qualifying time. I deserve to be here. I'm going to relax. I'm going to enjoy it and have fun. And I ended up coming out with my second fastest marathon time. And that portrayed such a more positive message to my clients rather than me trying oh, to thrash myself, yeah. trying to thrash myself every week, trying to get back to where I wanted to be back to like PB shape. But um, it just wasn't happening. But just, you know, that was a much stronger message to my clients then. Jess, yeah, if you, if you have to be stronger than your clients and nobody could train people like, you know, Mo Farrell or whatever, you'd have to have elite Kenyans training elite Kenyans <laughs> and no one else would be in the game, would they? yeah um so you know i just try to i've always been very open and honest online and very transparent about training and show the highs and the lows but i always think that if you go through you know today i did a session and kind of wasn't close enough to the target times i wanted i was consistent which was the main thing but it's always that with each training session you do you draw something draw from it and learn something and today was well i completed the session i did it it was kilometer reps and they're not normally my favorite but i chose to do them so that's a good sign (laughs) and uh it was hot i didn't feel warm but you know the heat sometimes can have a factor and things like that so you know i just try to show everyone that uh the real side to running and that I, I struggle too. Excellent. And if people want to um, follow your coaching or Instagram, what's the best way of getting in touch? Um, so Clean Coach Katie. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I'll get you. <laughs> yeah. The podcast. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Cool. And any final advice then for people looking to try their first ultra? Try it. Stay at marathons. Um, I think the biggest thing is to try and do it with a friend Um, because um, a friend of mine also signed up for the old uh, well there there was a marathon distance that day and the first 10k we did together and it was really good and then I had to go alone and I really think that in a in something like that having someone to try and support you yeah was um would have been good but i had a really good support crew out on the course which does help and obviously that helped with it being a local event Mm. um so yeah do it with someone make sure you do your research 
um, and discover why you want to do it. Like, what's your reason why behind wanting to do it? Because for me, it was just to experience it. And that's exactly what I did. So I tried to not worry about the time and just go and take it all in um, and find out what it was all about. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for that. No, thank you. Loved it. Cheers. And yeah, hopefully um, we'll all get back to running sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I hope that's given you a little taste of the Shires and Spires race that you could have been running. One day I'll get to run it if we ever get back to racing. It certainly looks a good event and I'm even more keen to give it a go. 35 miles is a good distance for a beginner there. Stepping up from marathon, it's certainly enough to be a real achievement without being quite as daunting as, say, a 50 miler. And it can be done sensibly within a day. As Katie said, mostly off the back of marathon training. She's not got to commit months and months of back-to-back -back 30, 40 mile runs to try and get ready for it. Speaking of runs, if anyone's doing the great virtual race across Tennessee, I'm still on for that. Currently about 20% of the way across Tennessee. It's a thousand kilometre virtual race organised by Laz of Barclays Marathon. They're still available to sign up if you fancy that. Other virtual races that might interest you are Centurion Running. I've got a race at the end of May where you can do varying distances over the course of a week. It's actually the, we would have been the half term week for schools, so it can fit in quite well with other plans and holidays, etc. I signed up for the 100 mile version of that across the week, so that should be interesting seeing how that fits in. And if you really want to get carried away, then there's currently a race that's been going all of May called the Accumulator, organised by Cockburn Events, where on the first of the month you run one mile, which sounds nice and easy. On the second of the month, you run two miles and then three miles, and it gradually ramps up until obviously that final week you're doing 28, then 29, then 30, and finish on 31 miles. And that has to be done within the 24 hour period. If you manage to stick it all the way through, you do nearly 500 miles in a month. So it's a bit of a war of attrition to see who can keep going. Currently, it's day 19, and I'm still in it. I'm going to see how long I can last for. Until the next podcast, keep happy, keep smiling and keep running. Game over.